I'd be so cool. <laughs> Start with the laughter. That's going at the beginning. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ringer FC. I'm Mesa Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Hanging in there. How are you? Do you know what? I'm really, really good. Quite sure. No, 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 no. Do you know what it is? It's because, it's because I just, I just... Um... Oh no. I knew it wasn't anything serious, man. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I refilled on water just before the podcast, having drunk a lot overnight. It just means that throughout the podcast, obviously, you know, I'm just going to be in that, in a good place. I'm drinking black in, coffee. In, in relation to, uh, in relation to water. Your hydration. <laughs> uh, good morning to you too. Yeah, morning. Do we have any? Yeah, we do. <laughs> All right. I might be. I think I might be a bit cranky this morning, Moose. I'm sorry. Uh, we do have some admin. We have a new piece up on the Ringer that I wrote about kind of just embracing the chaos of the football season in terms of on the field. Hmm. Yeah, it didn't sound like you were bracing the chaos a second ago. <laughs> oh, I am chaos. You need to embrace me for all my flaws. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to keep that in. You're going to keep that in. You have, to. I am. You have to. Of course I am. It's a spiky episode. Spike Thursday. That's on the ringer.com forward slash soccer. It includes a little bit about me laughing maniacally in front of my computer watching <laughs> the football over the weekend with a nod to... Man in the High Castle. Very good piece. Very good piece, that. Thanks, Musa. I you, think we're going to be returning to it. Uh, yeah, I hope so. You've got a piece coming up this week. Might be up today, right? Yeah, it's about penalties. It's about penalties and penalty-taking technique and how I've seen it change and diversify and even be gentrified. Whoa, the gentrification. First it was Dalston. Exactly. That's penalties, exactly. The creep. Uh, so yeah, go to theringer.com forward slash soccer for all that. There's also a really good Brian Phillips piece that went up about Bielsa a few days ago, which is good. Oh, wow. I missed that. Also, his Pat Riley thing that he wrote for The Ringer is unbelievable. <laughs> Basically just Brian Phillips everything. <laughs> Brian Phillips churning out absolute gold. Goodness. Speaking of Pat Riley in the heat, it was looking pretty nasty for the Lakers early on, and then it looked pretty, pretty sweet. Do you know what's funny? So I, look, I'll be honest, I'll confess. I really saw a really good chance of the Heat winning this series, right? For various reasons. They still might, you never know. They still might. Only one game. There's one thing really ominous about LeBron James that he's done each time in this playoffs where like the team he's playing against has jumped out to an early start, even an early win. And he said, yeah, we got, we got a good look at them. I'm like, you're talking like you're preparing a meal. Yeah, LeBron's, <laughs> LeBron's on one, man. He's, I don't know. I don't know when the last time he had Taco Tuesday, but that man needs a Taco Tuesday. He is. The, he's like the Terminator. You know, the Terminator never actually runs. They just just walks. Yeah, he's man. like that. He just walks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the T? What was it? The T one thousand. The T one thousand. Anyway, back to football. Today yeah. we're going to be talking about the Carabao Cup. We're going to go to Serie A. We're going to talk a little bit about German Super Cup, and we're also going to talk about the San Diego Loyal. Yeah, walking off the pitch. Got to get into that. But yeah, we're going to start with the Carabao Cup in England and we'll get into it on the other side of this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got 
a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. First of all, I want to shout out Jeff Russell. Uh, he sent us a really, really lovely email. And yeah, Jeff, all much the respect. best, man. Yeah, much respect. He asked a question saying, my question surrounds why dear Manchester United, seeing us currently just look average again against Brighton in the cup and that Palace thrashing shows me some failings we've seen before. Do you think Oli has peaked? Is this all he can do tactically? Because if he is dependent on talent, United haven't brought any in. Cheers for the question, Jeff. So basically Manchester United won. I mean, right, before we do get into it, the, this is really weird this week. There's loads of just back-to-back fixtures of the same fixture in the same venue. Yeah. This is the second time in a row that we've recorded a podcast ahead of Liverpool, Arsenal, Anfield. Weird, right? You know what's even weirder? So I was watching All or Nothing documentary, Spurs playing Chelsea in that episode. Uh-huh. Stop watching that segment. On TV, Spurs are playing Chelsea. Yo. And I was like, what the hell is happening? It's like some form of like inception. Are we inside a simulation? Was there oh, a don't glitch? say that. I don't, get... I don't, well, I don't know. No, now, the, now, the question, now the question. Oh no, oh no. So listen, do you know what scratch that? you going to get Elon Musk tweeting at us. I got a question for the podcast, guys. <laughs> Sending us a submarine. <laughs> yeah. Guys, expected subs. Expected subs. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk loves the five subs rule. <laughs> as many subs as possible. Send you some of his I'll make them. I'll make them. I'll send them to you. You know, we can't use these subs. We can't. No, yeah, they're great. They're amazing. No, no, uh, different kind of subs. No, 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 Elon. No, Elon. <laughs> that is absolutely his energy. But sorry, yeah. he's like the world's wealthiest reply guy. He just can't help himself. He just can't help himself. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, Imagine, back no, to, why have we got, got, have we got to Elon Musk? You've got all that money and you're spending all that time on Twitter. Can you, <laughs> Ryan, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have tweeted for 10 years if I had that kind of money. I wouldn't have tweeted for 10 years. Man, you literally have rockets to play with. Go and play with your rockets. <laughs> rockets. And you're playing with tweets. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, focus. Carabao Cup. Carabao Cup. Okay, so here's the thing, Jeff. Um, I think actually we're at the beginning of a new phase for Solskjaer, which is quite exciting. A real problem that Solskjaer had before was squad depth. But one thing you found with Donny van der Beek, brilliance of his play, is that he's created new combinations with players who didn't have so much of a role before. Now, I mentioned in particular one matter because a big problem for United, Carl Anker, a great piece we mentioned last time, the Athletic, about United having to rely on more than just breakaways and penalties, right? So you need to break down deep line defences. 
what is Donny van der Beek brilliant at? Combination play that breaks van deep line defenders. And we saw that with Juan Mata. And Juan Mata hasn't looked that happy since Ander Herrera was there playing triangles out on the right flank, if you remember that, you know, that whole period where Mata had really good um, flank play, could cut in, play almost as an inside right, and then just play those triangles. Now, Juan Mata is best when he's surrounded by speed, and Solskjaer clearly has looked around and thought, hang on a minute, the last time Mata looked amazing, he was surrounded by Memphis Depay and Martial and Luke Shaw, who was fully fit. Shaw got injured, Mata's form fell off a cliff. Mm. Now, we're back in that situation where you've got extreme pace, extreme pace all around Mata, and all of a sudden he looks revitalised. So I don't think that Solskjaer has peaked because I think that he's understood that within his squad, he's now got pieces that work a lot better. So weirdly enough, I'm encouraged because don't forget, Brighton gave United a hell of a game just a few days ago. Yeah. And this time, you know, obviously some tweaks, but they... United kind of brushed them aside. I thought it was all very stress-free for Manchester United this time. Yeah, I'd be quite, I'd be actually quietly encouraged. I agree. I think you're right with the, with the new phase thing because Solskjaer's kind of gone through a very similar pattern to like a young player in terms of a phase. If you think even when he took over at Manchester United, it was very much kind of like young player gets a chance in the first team due to an injury. Yeah. You know, and then they play out for the rest of the season. They do really well. Then they have a whole full season under their belt maybe don't they do okay but they maybe don't kick on to the level that people want them to yeah although to be fair I don't think I don't really see what more he could have done last season no I agree weirdly I agree I agree apart from maybe win something yeah but, and now this year it's kind of okay it's like I, I think we mentioned it a few episodes ago or a few weeks ago I think Manchester United could be a shout for catfish because the expectations back or the beliefs back yeah at some level a little bit that's, and that's right that's absolutely right yeah What's going on at Manchester United is really interesting is that weirdly the playing staff, even though maybe some people aren't happy with some of the players that are in that squad, I think them and Solskjaer are kind of getting a bit of a buy at the moment because Woodward is botching the transfer policy so much. I think that's completely so, right. Yeah. There's not really a huge amount of noise around any players or the squad or, or Solskjaer himself. It's all upstairs. So it's not a win-win for Solskjaer, but he has a really, really easy out now where he's like, well, you didn't really get me the tools, so... Yeah, and the players aren't pointing at him, they're pointing at the tools. Yeah. And there are players who've improved under him. Like, yeah. there are, they just are. And that's always a sign of, of a manager who's got something about them. I mean, also though, with Donny van der Beek, they have brought in a really, really, really amazing footballer. Yeah, they, they, I've got to be honest, with the arc they're at right now, I would say slightly lucky to get him. I would say slightly lucky. If you look at the other teams he could have gone to and I think improved. I mean, I was watching Real Madrid last night and they really need more dynamism through midfield and not just dynamism, they need cre- they've got dynamism, they need creativity through midfield. He would have slotted in perfectly as one of the three in Madrid's midfield. So I think that United were, I would say that the stage of their sort of development, transition, growth, they were slightly lucky to get a player of that quality. Let's move on from Manchester United and go to Tottenham against Chelsea. Um, can I just say, uh, I know it's Twitter, I know it's social media, I know there's these quick reactions, but... Uh-oh, go on. Spurs left back have been there. Regulion's been there for, what, five minutes? And people are already, like, chewing the guy out. I missed... <coughs> Sorry, I missed this. What happened? Oh, it just, it's just what social media does, right? Oh my God, oh my God, he's an absolute fraud. Like, he's... Oh, really? As, as Piliqueta did him. Yeah, well, as Piliqueta's really good. And I saw gonna- one great tweet about Regulion where they were just like, 
absolutely no one one of those tweets like no one and then it was just regular and it was that footage of Kanye playing a live gig where he just sprints across the stage for no reason <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. That. that was funny it was funny so there's a lot of that but um yeah actually um a funny <laughs> like I say I watched this game straight after watching the Chelsea Spurs on the all or nothing and so Lampard versus Mourinho it's so funny to see them like drawing at each other like that it's so, it's so, <laughs> what's the thing he said? That thing he said, effing hell, Frank, you weren't standing up like this in the dugout when uh, you were 3-0 down against West Brom. Just quite a funny line. It's a funny line. Mourinho, even when he's not at his peak, always delivers funny lines. But I think this was a really important win for Spurs, actually. Mm. It's one of these things where, it was like the Super Cup when Bayern beat Dortmund 3-2. It's one of those things where if Bayern have a close victory, to me, it's not an important result. It's important if Dortmund get any kind of win. I feel like Spurs beating Chelsea was more important for Spurs than it was for Chelsea. Because everyone knows that like Chelsea have just got stuff to sort out. But Spurs kind of need, they need some wins. Just remember that documentary where you know, Daniel Levy is talking about the need for Spurs to get a trophy. It'd be nice if they got a trophy. Obviously, you know, didn't do that last year. And they need a kind of, Mourinho, need, Mourinho needs something to show for his project, right? Mm. And I think he need, I think the Carabao is the kind of, it's the lowest hanging fruit. It's the best available. You've got Bale to come back. He looked super excited by the win in the shootout. You just need something to bond to that squad. And you need something, because one thing that's notable about that sort of all or nothing documentary is they're so keen to move on from Poch in a way that's quite disgraceful. They talk as if he didn't exist. They, def, they, they don't really sort of name check him very much. Oh, players love coming to Spurs. The last five years, you've just seen so many more players want to come to Spurs. I'm like, mm, why is that? You won't even say Poch's name. Yeah, they were hardly like queuing up when Tim Sherwood was there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I just feel like the Carabao Cup is super important for Spurs. Yeah, I do. I do as well. I mean, it was the last trophy they won, the League Cup. Yeah. And they need another trophy at some point. We've spoken before about how Poch's time at Spurs was successful without winning a trophy, but I think they're at a point now when you appoint, when you appoint a manager like Jose Mourinho, that's almost like a, you might as well be walking around with a sign saying, we want to win a trophy. Yeah. And that's something that I think I, th- I think you you might see him go for the for the Carabao Cup this year hard because I think a number of teams have filled in quite strong sides. We actually had a question about this mm. from Clanger Pat said it would appear from the lineups that teams are taking the Carabao Cup seriously. Why do you think that is? Honestly, I think it's when the pool of sides who can win the league or finish top four, let's say, not win the league, finish top four, become greater. I think each competition starts to mean a little bit more in a weird way. Yeah. And you always see sides rotating until it gets to a point when they have to then take it seriously. Like Manchester City, a prime example of this, uh, rotating quite heavily against Burnley, winning the game comfortably, but also played a number of key players. You know, Kevin De Bruyne, Raheem Sterling, Rodri all started the game. Ferran Torres. Yeah, look good. So there's a balance to be had there. I think with Mourinho, I think Mourinho's going through a bit of a weird. Um, I wouldn't say existential crisis, but I think he's going through a shift in identity. You know, he celebrated qualifying for the Europa League last season, which is something that he would never have done. No. If you go back, this has been a process. You know, he won the Europa League at Manchester United after saying that he never wanted to ever be in that tournament. So it's almost been a gradual slide. You know, Mourinho at 70% is still better than 80% of coaches on the planet. Right? You know? 
But it's like... Well, the data boys are going to come for you, show you're working. The way he took the Europe... Ha ha. The way he, they always come for me. The way he took the... Um, actually, they don't, weirdly enough. So please come No, they me. come for me about you. I'm like, leave me the fuck out of this. Yeah, everyone always goes you for you. You want to go for him, go Ryan, for him. Ryan, Moose said that thing. Ryan, oh, you like... Moose said the thing about Ryan's, Pep. Uh, but Pep and I tell, well, I don't know, tell him, not Ryan, me. Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> because I've got a, like a tenth of the amount of Twitter followers that you have. So they're like, oh, Ryan will see this. <laughs> Just for the record, anyone, if you want to tweet anything about Musa, tweet him. Leave me out of it. <laughs> Leave me out of this nonsense, <laughs> eight anon conspiracy theory. I've got shit to do. Oh my goodness. So I forgot my train of thought now. I forgot my train of oh, thought. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> you're, talking, you're talking about Mourinho. Yeah, so um, Mourinho took this, the Europa League, of course, very seriously United. And I think the beauty of the Carabao Cup is whichever team you are, it's one in the bank early. Yeah. But here's the thing. Everyone's got to watch out for Everton. Yes, the they do. Because Everton are coming for you. Dominic Calvert-Lewin became the first player to score a hat-trick in back-to-back home games for Carlo Ancelotti since Cristiano Ronaldo. But we have a case of Dawson's Law at play. Okay, go for it. Because who played in both of those matches? James Rodriguez. <laughs> I love that you saw that. I loved it. A pacey witter of this situation. For those who don't know, I don't think we've... Have we mentioned this since we've Dawson's been on the ring? So Musa wrote a thing called Dawson's Law about, what, six years ago for the blizzard? Gosh, even longer. It was like nine, nine, ten years ago. Wow, is it like 2010? The two, I wrote in 2011, I think, yeah. So wow, nine like, years ago for the blizzard about how, essentially, Pacey Witter is the most important character in Dawson's Creek. Yeah. And applying that to football, how it's not the, it's the pass before, it's the pre-assist, basically, right? Yeah, exactly. The whole concept being, I call it Dawson's Law, and the theme is basically, those members of the, you know, the teen US drama, Dawson's Creek, it was named after Dawson, but the main character was really Pacey, in my opinion. Some would disagree, but in my opinion, was Pacey. And in football, sometimes... In a move, the main character is not the character who scores it. It's the person that opens up the play. And Iniesta was the ultimate pacey witter of Barcelona in, in many <laughs> moves. In many moves, he was, he was the pacey witter. And in the Everton team, it's Hammers. I mean, but having said that, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is, he's such a beautiful footballer. He's always had a, he's always had a great touch and this opening I mean, goal. Sportingly and aesthetically. That's true. He's a good looking man. Very good looking young man. It's lucky for some, isn't it? His amazing first touch for his opening goal. Oh, it's so good. Do you know what? Here's the thing about that touch. It's like he set it up. A lot of people, the first touch just slows the ball down, right? He sets up the finish, the beautiful left foot finish. And the beautiful left foot first touch, right? Which is his like weaker foot. And how many players do that, really? I mean, Pulisic is a guy we've mentioned before, but very few players can do that over the shoulder, first touch with the wrong foot. Yeah. And then the finish is this beautifully clipped home. And the thing was amazing. His third goal, which he scores as a tap, and as his second goal is um, a tap in, but his movement before it, yeah, is unbelievable. The guy throws like two or three dummies, and I'm like, whoa, this guy's locked in. He is. Ab- I don't know what Ancelotti gave him training manual, private conversations, but this guy's movement is off the scale. Now he has to be in consideration to be starting for England, surely. Yeah, absolutely. And he solves a huge problem for them. Uh, the thing that I find really interesting about Calvert-Lewin, it's like we said before, he's like a super mobile Giroud in terms of that he's, he's tall, like he's yeah. a tall guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very lean, but he's, he's super athletic and he's really quick. And it's, he's, I, he, he is a similar 
kind of build to Kane in a way, maybe not so. Kane's a little bit maybe more more broad, but yeah. I think that he can dominate centre-backs like Harry Kane can, but I think that he's actually just... I know that some people are probably going to come with a, a load of like, what the hell are you talking about here? But if you look at the surrounding players that that England have for Harry Kane in the starting eleven, you actually think that Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a better fit. And I'm not saying that he's a better striker than Harry Kane yet, although I think that he's showing signs of becoming one. But I think that in terms of adding another really dangerous, fluid element into that attacking lineup for England, I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin can cause real problems for people. The thing I love about Calvert-Lewin most of all is that because goals came so late to his game, he had to work on everything else first. Like yeah. he wasn't in that team for his goal scoring. He was there because his combination play was so good and goals were kind of a bonus because no one ever thought he'd be prolific. Well, not until, well, maybe apart from him and Ancelotti. He, he's always a guy, okay, he's a link man. He'll be a non-scoring striker. Like that's what he does. Like a Boxic type player, you know? People run off him. But this, because he can do everything else to an extremely high level, and now he's scoring to a high level, like he's just become a complete striker in the space of what, a year? It's just amazing to see. So yeah, Everton for the Carabao Cup. I, my team is still in the tournament. If I'm taking away my allegiance to United and I'd want to see anyone win, it would be Everton. Taking away my allegiance to United, right? Because of course, United are my default. But I just want them to get some joy out of this season. I want them to get something to show for it that's tangible. I would that love to sense. see Everton win the Carabao Cup. Absolutely. Yeah. They beat West Ham 4-1. Although, Snodgrass's goal for West Ham was absolutely unbelievable. Slightly just stroked it in the corner. <laughs> he does this every now and again, Robert Snodgrass. It's just like, you know what he reminds me of? He's like a guy that you always hang around with for ages. And then after knowing him for like five years, there's a guitar knocking around and he, and he just shreds. What, like, like, you mean like you, what? Ryan? Like you're like that. That's I mean, you. I'm cutting that That's out. You. you can do whatever you want. <laughs> That's you. That's you. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> I do a podcast and I write very poorly. Like, that's, like, <laughs> that's it, guys. That's you, know you I mean? Ryan. You've got to keep that in there. <laughs> I dare what you. What are you talking about? I can't play guitar. Well, I can play guitar, but not very well. There you go. There he is. <laughs> so what? Like, no one knows. Like, dude plays guitar. That's, like, that's usually like the quickest way to get a, a door slammed in your face. <laughs> I was, I was um, watching this goal that Snodgrass scored. And then I thought, when I, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh my God, that's going to be one of Frank Lampard's forgotten goals. What I mean by that is Frank Lampard would often score these spectacular goals in the midweek that no one ever talked about again. There's like mm -hmm. Chelsea fans, there's a, there's a bit deep, there's a left foot chip I think he scores against Hull, right? And like, no one ever talks about it again. And I'm like, Snodgrass, poor guy. Like, oh, no. that's just going to be, no one's going to talk about that goal again. Quickly before we move on from Everton, it was an amazing week for Everton as a whole. Back-to-back -back FA Cup wins for the women. They beat Birmingham on Wednesday, 3-0. So this is funny. So I was thinking about this. Um, Everton are coming. Like there was, there was a thing mm. at the start of the season they were asking what their expectations were and it was like top three and, and a trophy, I think, or a cup final. And I'm thinking, oh, that's quite, it's quite bold considering who's already established in the top three. For the women? But, yeah, but Everton yeah. are like, Second in the league, five goals scored, none conceded. Beat Chelsea. And now the Chelsea result is not an outlier. No. What was interesting about Everton is their depth and their intensity. They brought Valerie Godin off the bench, uh, who scored like the final goal. And they kept, they did this thing where they, even though they went 2-0 up and the game was basically done with about 30 minutes to go, they pulled back one play off the counter, but they kept pressing quite high up. 
And I was like, this team is sending a statement. This is like not a normal tunnel up, lock the door. This is like, we're always dangerous. And that was really interesting, I thought, because against Chelsea, of course, you know, Chelsea, you've got to be a shock absorber because they just have this relentless, brutal lineup. But maybe Everton went under the radar because they beat Bristol City in their first game in the league. People weren't really looking at them. Mm. But now they're dangerous, actually. They beat Spurs 1-0. Spurs are not as bad as the 4-0 defeat to Arsenal suggested. And I think people look at Everton now like, oh, they could... um, the club of Everton going up with two trophies, plausibly two trophies this year. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really, I'm intrigued by them. It's their first final since 2014 where they lost to Arsenal. We're recording this ahead of Arsenal, Manchester City. Um, uh, there's a couple of, ta- we're recording this ahead of the rest of the Carabao Cup games. There's some, some tasty fixtures there. Brentford against Fulham, I'm looking forward to. Repeat of last year's championship playoff final. Uh, Villa against Stoke and obviously Liverpool Arsenal again. So, Can I say, I love the Barkley to Villa signing so much. Me too. Barkley I really and Grealish. Like I oh love this. God. Two eights. What a holiday that'll be. <laughs> uh, let's take a break. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, we're back from the break. We're going to go to the US quickly because there was an incident in the USL Championship between San Diego Loyal and Phoenix Rising. So towards the end of the first half, Colin Martin, who plays for the San Diego Loyal, was allegedly abused using a homophobic slur. So those who don't know, Colin Martin is basically the only openly out player within any of the major men's leagues in the US. Came out a couple of years ago when he was playing for Minnesota United in the MLS. There was a bit of a scuffle between, I say scuffle, a verbal scuffle between Landon Donovan and the Phoenix Rising coach, Rick Shantz. Now, both clubs released statements afterwards. I mean, long story short, they came back out at halftime and uh, after halftime, took a knee at kickoff and then San Diego Loyal walked off the pitch, which I agree with a little bit of extra context. This comes not long after one of their players was racially abused by a LA Galaxy second team player. It's right to walk off for the subject itself, for the issue itself. And also I think it's right for the squad too. And this whole thing is part of the game. It's like, well, no, no, it's, it's not, it's not because people talk trash about a lot of things. People talk trash about a lot of things, you know, to throw you off your game, like your balance isn't good, like your step over is getting worse, you're, you're getting older. Like people talk about a lot of things to throw people off, but this is like a direct attack on, especially at this point in America right now, where anyone who is other is being targeted. That slur carries extra weight. Mm. It's not part of the game. It's absolutely not. This is the thing, like you said before, you could, there is enough trash that you can talk about people. Right without targeting people's sexuality or race or anything like that. I mean, there's a case where it's stepped too far and, and that's definitely one of them. If you're going after players of different heritage or sexuality at a time when those people are being targeted for their heritage, their sexuality, you're basically saying, 
I know that there are people out there, very powerful people trying to give you a miserable life. And I'm here in your place of escapism, your place of work, reminding you that that miserable life is here as well. Even here in your place of work, even here in your place of escapism, you are not safe. That's what they're saying. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they talk about it's in the game. No, your team is 3-1 down. You want psychological advantage. Don't, don't make out like this is some principle or some ethical standpoint. No, it's not. Like you're just a clown. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I agree, man. I mean, Junior Flemings, who was the Phoenix Rising player, accused of making that comment, released a statement afterwards, denying it, which we have to say. Uh, I think both clubs are going to be doing an investigation. But in terms of where we stand on it, walking off the pitch, it's a no-brainer for me. The San Diego Loyal forfeited the points that they were awarded from the game against the LA Galaxy second team, saying that we felt we needed to stand up for something much bigger. We don't even want to recognize being a part of a match where these types of actions take place. And this is the thing that we said before. Like I remember we were talking about it with the Musa Morega case for Porto earlier in the year. Just walk off. Walk off the pitch. Like No yeah. game is bigger than something like that. Something like this happens, off you go. Like No one will learn otherwise. Yeah, they won't learn. I, I, saw, I saw an old um, piece of BBC footage. It was a preview to the 1988 FA Cup final, Wimbledon Liverpool. And it was describing sort of John Barnes and what he experienced in relation to racism. And it said, the only way to answer bigotry is brilliance. And I was like, no, it's not. No. No, no it's, it's not. not. No, like they sprayed racist abuse on the side of LeBron James's house in Los Angeles. LeBron James, an astonishing basketball player, what response does he have to that person that sprayed down his house? Nothing. You don't know where they, they discipline, they might not even watch basketball. They might just mm. hate a rich black guy. What's his response? Oh, go out and score 40 points. That'll teach them. No, it won't. People who say you have to respond to bigotry with brilliance just want a nice, easy solution to a problem they do not want to think about in depth because it's too uncomfortable. Because mm. if you start actually looking at the work that has to be done to get rid of bigotry, you've got to go deeper than scoring a 30-yard worldie. It's deeper mm. than that. Think how absurd it is. Oh, wow, look, I, I, I dunked on 12-foot rim. Can you, can you stop abusing me now? Yeah, that's great. You've, you've jumped high enough. That's actually like a minstrel show. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, wow, like you're really good at that. Yeah, we'll stop abusing you now. Just be really good. We won't abuse you. That's wild. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's actually that, yeah. kind of racist logic. Like it's yeah, wild. it really <laughs> is. But yeah, I mean, solidarity with the squad. And I think that was a really good move for them walking off. Yeah, it's awesome. I think because at least everyone is having a conversation now. Yep, and absolutely. Shall we move on to the German Super Cup? Yes, let's do it. Let's do a Super Duper Duper Cup. Why did this game even happen? Well, Jonathan Harding wrote a really great piece about this for DW that I linked to in the piece I wrote for The Ringer. It's about basically being the game that no one wants. But actually, it turned out to be quite entertaining. Bayern beating Dortmund 3-2 at the Allianz Arena. Went 2-0 up and Dortmund looked a little bit all over the place. And I actually tweeted at the time, there's something about this stadium in Dortmund, my God. Because I thought the way that Dortmund were playing in the first half, the way that (laughs) Dortmund looked more vulnerable when they had corners than at any other point of the game. So when they were literally as far away from their own box as you could be on a football pitch, that was when they looked the most vulnerable. Bayern hit him on the counter a few times, scored a couple of goals. It looked like it was going to run away from Dortmund like it has on multiple occasions at the Allianz Arena over the last few years. And then, all of a sudden, Julian Brandt scores. A brilliant goal. Julian Brandt, by the way, who looked absolutely knackered from about the third minute of the game. (laughs) I was like, is he okay? 
but I think he's working his way back into full fitness. Yeah. I actually said this to someone on the, I said it in the piece and I said it to someone, said it to someone on Twitter a couple of weeks ago or last week. The fitness of the squads are, is all over the place at the moment. So you've got various players coming back to varying levels of fitness. Marco Royce started his first game of the season. I thought was actually quite good. Obviously, Jaden Sancho and Roman Berkey didn't travel. Both sides were kind of quite mixed. But Dortmund ended up equalising the lovely goal through Erlen Haaland and probably should have taken the lead. It's the hope that kills you with Dortmund, isn't it? That's why I didn't want to watch this game because I, part of me was like, they're going to do it to me again. Like, I might as well just like not watch and lose in a game that doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, it's, the, it's great that they scored because it's the first time they've scored at the Allianz since December 2017. Yeah. and. I mean, you're referring, I suppose, I mean, possibly going ahead to the save by Neuer. Yeah. From Holland. I mean, that was the one that should have been 3 2 to Dortmund. A great save. No, a great save from him, um, from Holland, and at a pivotal point of the game. And the problem is, of course, if you don't, Sevilla learned this in the last Super Cup, if you do not take that one chance, and again, Neuer proved it then, if you don't take that one crucial chance, Bayern will come for you. And they did. And Kimmich came for them. This is the thing. Kimmich right, we need, to, we need to talk about Joshua Kimmich because we had a couple of questions about Kimmich. Yeah. Uh, we had one from Sam from uh, Bleacher Report Football Ranks. Shout out to Sam. You yeah, were on sure. there last week, weren't you? Yeah, really enjoyed it. Great fun. Great fun. Is there a more intense footballer on the planet than Joshua Kimmich? His energy is dot, 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 something different. Joshua Kimmich is rapidly turning into one of my favourite footballers. I don't think he's the most intense player at Bayern, actually. Funny enough, I, I think he, he is intense. I think, I just, I think that Muller is the most intense player at Bayern. Yeah, but there's something about Kimmich where it's like, he's done this a few times in important games where he's scored important goals. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. And he's, his reaction to that is really like, it's almost like he's trying to get other people to refocus. And for a 25-year-old, obviously he's not exactly one of the the most junior players in the squad, but he's not the, one of the most senior either. But he could be in a US teen drama. Look at that face. He could still, he's one of those actors that's like 30 years old that can act a 17 year old. Oh yeah. He's like someone who'd rock up in season three of the OC. <laughs> <laughs> and people would call him Joshua and he'd correct him every single time. He's like, no, it's Joshua. Yeah, he would. That's his energy. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, he, you made a great point about him. I'm like, yeah, please develop it. But um, I agree with them. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, no, sorry. I just jumped in, didn't I? With my references. Right. Um, but no, I think he's, he's, he just seems to pass every single test that comes in front of him. Joshua Kimmich. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he started and ended the move for the third goal. A load of people were just kind of like, how did he finish that? And I watched it again and again. And I just think he's been super clever there. It's a really clever, instinctive finish after yeah. falling down. It's not a fluke. It's not no, a fluke at no. all. It's like when Mesut Ozil volleyed it into the ground. Yeah, that's exactly what it was like. It's so good. He's really stepping up. He's, I think this year he's moved to another level. I think he's always been an amazing prospect. We've said before that we still think he's Bayern's best right back. Yeah. He's making a serious case now to be Bayern's set, best centre midfielder. I think he already is. The one sideways move his career took, I think, was the 2018 World Cup. But everyone kind of went sideways there. And he actually started that, he started that World Cup really well, actually. He was really, mm. him and Muller were really good for the first half, I would say, of that first match against, was it Mexico? Yeah. Went sideways from there. But yeah, Kimmich, he's so inventive. He scores and he needs to, weirdly enough, and people are going to maybe sort of jump at me for this. There are some comparisons with Xavi in the sense that- I don't hate that. Xavi only ever scored when he needed to. Right. And Xavi had this knack of scoring, you know, the 3-2 against um, AC Milan, 
the winner in the Classico against Real, he would just have that ability to step forward and absolutely need it. And of course, Kimmich did that in the decider, um, you know, just a few months ago. Yeah. He did it again tonight. Unbelievable. Yeah, you yeah. said tonight. Ha <laughs> ha. Sorry, I'm just... You are all over the place, Okwonga. Embrace the chaos, Ryan. Hey, I'm just saying, you've thrown a little bit, you've thrown a little bit of chaos. Drink it in. You throw it, you know what? I will drink it. Do you know what? I will drink it. I'll just, you know what? Let me just stay hydrated right now. <laughs> Told you, man, like in that piece, <laughs> it, was all, it was all happening. I was just like, it's happening. Oh it's my happening. God, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> you're, on, you're on a roll with those pieces, Ryan. That was, um. Stop it. Why not? Why, 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 why should I stop it? Uh, we had a number of people tweeting us about the Kimmich goal, so hopefully we've explained it as best we can. I uh, want to shout out Scouted Football. They tweeted us saying, who is Erling Haaland's next weirdest Borussia Dortmund teammate? <laughs> who do you think is the weirdo in that squad? Ooh, I think it's Brandt. Mm. Do you know why? What's that clip? From, the clip from the Leverkusen game that um, Dembo sent us when he's just walking around. <laughs> he's just yeah, walking but... around. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Do you know what? We're talking weird, like, or Space Cadet. Like, Space Cadet, I, don't know. I think Brandt. But then weird, we're talking weird as in like, ooh, I didn't, I didn't know that was your energy. They're all quite wholesome though. That's the thing. No, yeah, the it's, 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 they're not a super weird squad. No, there's none that sticks out. In a squad where everyone seems normal, it's always the kind of most vanilla and responsible that's a little bit. Oh, do you know who it is? It's it's definitely Emre Chan. Emre Chan, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Like Emre Emre Chan's blatantly got like a sword collection or something like that. Do you know why I think it's him? It's so funny. You said that. I was literally just thinking Emre Chan. I was thinking, wait a minute. Always takes responsibility. Designated driver type energy. Like, oh yeah. But then like has their own sort of quirks. He probably like you know what it is. His his kind of weird is probably like yeah. It's a collection collectibles. Yeah. Like, min- miniature miniature like train set something like that. There's a. Touch of the Lester Freeman about Emery Chan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that he's just like, what, really, that guy? You're an amateur, like, train enthusiast? Oh, wow. Like, wow. Oh. Yeah, you go up into Emery Chan's loft. Yeah. He's basically recreated a miniature version of the entire German rail network. I bet he collects fonts on, like, public science. Oh, I haven't seen that font. Oh, there's a, oh, that's a, that's a nice font. <laughs> Poor Emery Chan. I know. People are going to start sending him fonts. <laughs> <laughs> One final thing on this game, and uh, it's probably the biggest and most important thing about this game. Bibiana Steinhaus, the referee, it was her final game. She's retiring. Bit of a trailblazer. Well, not a bit of a trailblazer, a massive trailblazer for women referees and officials in the game. She was the first ever woman to officiate a Bundesliga game. She's been a, an assistant in the Bundesliga for many years, done Women's Champions League finals. The whole thing, absolute, I'd say a legend. A legend, yeah, absolutely. A, an officiating legend. And she's decided to retire. And I think this is a shame because she's a really, really good referee. And it always makes me sad when really good referees retire. Yeah. That's actually been confirmed that she's going to go into a VAR position. So she's going to become a video assistant referee. So she's not stepping away entirely from the Bundesliga, but. It's a real shame she's not going to be on the pitch anymore. The really good referees leave their mark on a game. It's so strange. It's like it's not like they make big decisions, but just the way the game flows, they've got a sense for when to intervene, when not to. And they understand that football is a, you know, I, I'd always love those referees who they saw the game was super tense and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let the bad fouls go early on, but they'd have a conversation when they sensed the tempo of the game was a bit much. They'd go to the captain when the, when the ball was out and they'd be like, do you know what? Like, have a word with X. Mm. They would actually pre, you know, they preempt yeah. 
and she had that kind of like gravitas about her. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's always a shame. You know how some officials like Mike Dean is like the other end of the scale. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's just like, you know that Mike Dean's referee Ooh, game. you know, like Mike Dean wakes up in the morning and he's rubbing his hands together and he's just like, I am going to send someone off today. Yeah. Mike Dean loves it. Loves the red card. Whereas Bibby Steinhaus, I think is just, well, I think this is the thing obviously with women in male dominated industries is that you have to be so much better than anyone else just to get through to the level that they're at anyway. Can you imagine what her scores were like in the practicals? A little bit of trivia though. Okay, go for it. She's in a long-term relationship with Howard Webb. No, that is absolutely, oh my God, that's amazing. Some kind of refereeing power couple. Oh my God. How do they meet? Like, is there like a sort of, well, I think actually, is there there an app? I mean, she's also a trained police officer and he was an ex-police officer, right? So maybe there's like a a very niche police officers who are also referees. Oh my God. Dating app. (laughs) God, I love that detail so much. I love Um, that. But yeah, shouts to Bibi Steinhaus. How cool is it to actually go out with someone who fully gets you though as well? Like who just understands that unique pressure? Wouldn't know, Musa. I wouldn't know. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. That was so bleak. Let's take a break. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're back. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost Musa, everyone. Sorry, we're back. We're You're back. all right. Wow. Sorry. It's just, it was, you know what it is? It's like, Simon and Garfunkel plays. <laughs> when you get exactly, <laughs> you get a look behind the curtain. So devastating. Oh come on! It's all a it's all a joke. Of course, no, no, it's all right. It's of course it's fine. Let's carry. Nobody on. gets me. <laughs> it's okay. I don't even get me. Oh my god! I'm actually wiping tears away here. Okay, wow. Okay, uh, back to the things that matter. All right, focus you. We need to talk about Serie A. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I've got I'm theory. Fully, I'm fully focused. I'm back on it. No, you're never focused. Come on. That's true. You're a catfish. Embrace um, it. <laughs> you catfish me. Hey, want to do a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> all right. First of all, we're going to dive into La Liga super quick because Atletico and Madrid are a catfish. They promised to be so much fun. They scored six goals in their opening day of the season and then they drew away at Wesker 0-0. Although, Although in, in, in Wesker's defence, this was a really good 0-0 draw and Wesker were brilliant. They were great. They basically read every single 1-2 that Atleti tried to play. Drow mm. Felix was brilliant. He was sometimes escaping two or three defenders at a time. He was absolutely brilliant. And look, any other night, Wesker basically just showed this. This was more a kind of Wesker's going to be really good this year because they mm. nearly scored in the break. Atleti, actually, this was the best nil nil draw. It sounds super weird. It's the best nil nil draw I've seen Atleti play in a long time because they actually went for it all game and they created a really good quality of chance against the defence that had really done their homework. And the one, my one regret is that Thomas Lamar is possibly leaving them for Bayern on loan because this is finally the team to which he is best suited. Yeah. This Atleti team is actually going for it. It's really sad, Ryan. Like, Luis Suarez's ability, like he does this really nice pass that Suarez does where you play it into his feet on the edge of the box and he plays an angled pass out to the right flank then cuts back across the box, which Atleti weren't really doing. They weren't doing angles so well last year. And that is a new thing. And I saw um, Suarez went through on goal and missed the one-on-one or got a one-on-one saved, but the keeper just took a really good angle on it. Mm. And a few people on Twitter were like going, ah, oh, like, you know, Suarez has botched it. But I was like, no, it's actually just really good goalkeeping. Sometimes a situation can happen where it is because of some, someone doing something really good, not because of the other person being an absolute fraud. 
Yep. And Huesca, in this game, this result is going to look better as the season goes on. Yeah. That is my prediction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And quickly, Villarreal got their first win of the season. Look good. Yep, yep. Beat Alaves 3-1 at home. Eibar lost at home to Elche. That's a great result for Elche. And Real Madrid scraped to a 1-0 win over Valladolid, which I thought, I watched a bit of this game and then I re-watched some of it afterwards and it was tough to watch, man. bleak. And the goal was dreadful. Like, oh. I think Sid Lowe tweeted just saying something like, what a shit goal. <laughs> or something like that. Do you know what's really worrying for Real Madrid? How far forward Ramos is having to get to score. There's a moment when you see that team, it's like, we call it like in, in Berlin, there's the scaffolding, Baustelle. Mm. Real Madrid right now, they're basically Baustelle, they're scaffolding. They've got like part of the team is built and the other half is being constru- it's under construction. And there was a moment, Jovic, oh my God, Jovic basically, again, struggled. He's been struggling for Real for some time and just doesn't look happy. And there was a moment in the second half when you just sort of saw Ramos skipping forward to sort of start the play. And just the way Ramos's body language is like almost like, okay, you know what? There's going to be four or five players in this team that will handle it while everyone else is getting themselves together. And one of those players getting himself together is Jovic. And it's really like, this is like a jigsaw of ill-fitting pieces, this Real Madrid team. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And I think the thing about, you look at um, Zidane. When Zidane was at Real, what was he amazing at? He was amazing at knitting together disparate pieces because he was such an incredible playmaker, right? That's what Zidane did. He took in that inside left position and he had Ronaldo there and he had you know, other sort of front players that came in and out and they basically just made an understanding. And so he's put these players, he's basically got a solid base you know, back four is reasonably solid apart from Varane doing some slightly eccentric things, which, you know, You've Varane has, him, not, man. He has not let himself since Since that. you bigged him up. Since the yeah, tweet. I know, since the tweet. He's kind of like, let me put out the front three and let them work it out. But he keeps changing the front three because he's not sure how the combination works. Do you know what, sure man? Sorry to, sorry to cut in, but like, yeah. they could really do with someone like Bale. Experience. Yeah, they could. Responsibility, been there, done it, still really good at football. They never look at what they have and try and get the best out of them. It's just like, no, this is what we do, fit into it. The one challenge I think for Real is that the other, te- the other two teams, you know, Barca have got goals in them. Whatever Barca have got else that they've got going wrong, they've got goals in them for sure. And Atleti have got goals in them now. And in a league that's going to become a shootout, I think Real get left behind at current pace. Yeah, they've got to be careful, man. Their defence is not as solid as last year. No, not not at all. And if the defence is letting them down, you know, they cannot be scraped. I mean, I thought they were actually, they had chances, but I think they were kind of lucky to get away with that against Valladolid. They were lucky against Betis. Yeah, they really were. Yeah, they've been lucky in two straight games. Yeah, one to watch there, I think. Shouts to Katafe, top of the league. They beat Betis 3-0 on Tuesday. Big win. Right, let's finish. We saved the best for last. It's Serie A time. Always watch. Atalanta. No, no, I've got a theory. <laughs> I've got a theory. Go for it, go for it. Our Internazionale this season's Atalanta. <laughs> <laughs> Their first goal was absolutely beautiful. It really was. Okay, so you want to watch playing out from the back and drawing a team in. So poor old Benevento, managed by Pippa and Zaghi. Um, Came out this season. Yeah, Benevento. So they pushed up. Kolarov launches a gorgeous crossfield pass um, to Hakimi. Hakimi plays a 1-2 with Sanchez and then plays in Lukaku after 30 seconds, 1-0 Inter. 
glorious goal. Very Atalanta, actually, <laughs> yeah. in style. Um, and just, they're going for full bombardment this year Inter. For they're sure. going to be super fun to watch. Hakimi is just, oh my God. I love Hakimi there, man. Always watch Hakimi. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, their lineup was so interesting. I really liked it because Stefano Sensi behind Alexi Sanchez and Romelu Lukaku. Alexi Sanchez, who looked as sharp as I've seen him probably since the Arsenal days. Yeah. Moving really well. And I love Sensi too. I love that link up. Sensi's a great player. And they've got options. You know, Lataro Martinez came off the bench. Christian Eriksen coming off the bench. D'Ambrosio is on the bench. Brozovic was on the bench. Barella was on the bench. Perisic is on the bench. They've got options now into... Wasn't it James Horncastle who tweeted, like, if Conte complains about his bench, like... Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah stop yeah. it. This is a really great game of football. I thought it was really fun to watch. Inter one five two against Benevento. So, yeah, maybe Inter are this season's Atalanta, man. I mean, I would agree with you if only Atalanta weren't still doing Atalanta things. So, I mean, listen... This was when, a really, really impressive win, I when thought. Inter, when Inter are going 3-0 up at half-time, away from home, at Lazio, then we'll talk. But until then... Yeah, and only, only, because, only because Atalanta were just peak last night. I mean, think about it. This is a side who Atalanta finished only above on goal difference last season. Right. With no Ilicic last night, they had no Ilicic in the squad. He's only just come back to the squad after like being away for two months. He's been going through it and really, in a serious way, like he's had a really tough time. Um, but they looked amazing. I mean, <laughs> so Atlanta, when you're getting goals from your wing backs, <laughs> your two of your first three goals from your wing backs, and Papu Gomez at 32 is just still. I'm glad he stayed, man. Yeah, me too. I'm so happy. I mean, there's no answer. They had no answer from last night, last year. The Hataboa goal was unbelievable, I thought. And like, after scoring the first one, Robin Gosens like assisted for the second. And that volley was just so. Oh, my God. It was a bit feverish that goal. I thought it's quite quite Van Basten actually in terms of the technique. Mm, uh, no, I do think what in terms of the just the cushion, just the cushion. Yeah, of it. it was nice like, side yeah. foot. Use, let, yeah, let, didn't let, lash let it. the pace of the ball do the work. Yeah, it didn't lash. It was like there. It's calm. It's calm. Yeah, three 0 up at half time, and they just never really looked in danger. They didn't. And the funny thing is, even Lazio coming back into it, and then like the final goal from yeah, Atlanta was like, yeah, like we'll get we'll get three more of those if you don't. Yeah, if you don't keep calm back there. Papu Gomez's goal was really nice. Yeah, the second stunning, one. Stunning finish. Was it the second one or the first one that was a, the really nice one? The second one. The first one, just a beautiful finish, like right to the left. second one was a corner. bit more of a stunner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, goals, goals, goals. I think that Juve, they've got their work cut out this year. The thing that worries me about Juve is that they could just go on a run and that's it. But we did say that with the, with the variables at play and Pirlo coming into being the manager of Juve, they are, weirdly, Juve are the biggest unknown. And Jekko's thing at Roma, as someone pointed out to us, which is great because they looked really nice in attack, Roma. Yeah, I really like that, actually. I'm really glad love, that he's staying there. Yeah. Jekko, for a player that scores as many goals as he does, doesn't get the credit for the link-up play. He is so he's saying he's that. disrespected. Oh my, actually. Ryan, were you foreshadowing a Stadio special podcast there? Should we just tell everyone, just in case yeah, someone nabs the idea? Let's tell them, yeah. Well, before we do... Right, who would nab our ideas? Who does that? Moose Meow. Before we move on to... Gotta take that. Only two games played in Serie A. Napoli, Atalanta, Inter, Milan, Verona, all on maximum points. 
I am really hyped about Serie A this season. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm really hyped about all the leagues. It's actually, you know, why, why I said we should just embrace the chaos. If we do, maybe we can all enjoy it a little bit more. We're supposed to enjoy football, aren't we? Ryan, those are words to live by. That goes beyond football, that message. Message for life. <laughs> okay, so this idea we're going to do, we're going to, so I think we might do it through the next international break. Should we do that instead of going through the Nations League stuff? Should we just do some conceptual stuff? Because we've not yeah, done yeah. anything on yeah, the ringer, really. Let's do it. We'll do another what if during the international break. And we're going to do maybe two conceptual ones and we'll do like one roundup thing or a yeah, mailbag. Yeah. But we're going to do a conceptual episode about the ultimate disrespected 11. So That's we're going right. to make an 11. Should we do a subs bench as well? Yeah, of course. Oh and my a, gosh. A manager. What is more meta than a disrespected player that's on the bench? <laughs> In a disrespected 11. It's so meta. We'll do, if, we, if we can stretch to it and we remember, we'll do a uh, disrespected manager as well. Disrespected bench. In a, and they'll play at a disrespected stadium. Players who don't get their props. Non-prop jokes. Yeah. In a disrespected kit. No props. Yeah, do you know what? That's perfect. So keep an eye out on the Twitter at Stadio and we'll put out some suggestions. Or oh, actually, should we let people cloud our judgment until we do it? No, we shouldn't because people are going to come at us. They'll come at us anyway. They'll be like, All right, oh, so let, this, let, this us, let us do the episode and then we'll do out a, we'll do a, we'll do a follow-up episode where we air everyone's beef. The beauty us. is, the beauty is they'll send them anyway. The beauty is having heard this, some of you will send us your most disrespected anyway, and that's fun too. So like, just, just have fun with it. We're going to have lots of fun with it. Just have fun with it, guys. <laughs> um, shall we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. We hope everyone's doing okay, staying safe and well. Yep, yep. Uh, we're playing out this week on EMI's I'm Alive. Quick at me before you go, at Study on Twitter, Study on Football on Instagram. Our website's down at the moment. We're doing a little bit of retweaking on it. Go to theringer.com forward slash soccer to read my piece, Moose's piece, Brian Phillips, other great people on The Ringer. Stadio Outros on Spotify. If you search for it on Spotify, Stadio Outros, all the music we play out on. Yeah, go on, Musa. Hit him with your words of wisdom. No, I, no, it's, no it's not. No, just, just, a, just have fun, really, I guess. Yeah? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Sure? Yeah, yeah, that's it. You, that's sure? it. You're not, you don't want to say anything else? I mean, the, the temperature's dropping now, so maybe the hydration level. Oh, he's taking a sip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, everyone. I'm going to get this man out of here. I'm so sorry. Uh, stay well. Have a lovely weekend. And we'll be back on Monday. Stay well, everyone. <laughs>